Hello and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast. This episode is titled Fall Artificials from the Pier. And we're going to be featuring Bill Davis, who spends most of his fishing time, pier fishing time, off of Johnny Mercer's pier in Wrightsville Beach. And we're going to set the stage for what defines fall. And then he's going to walk me through several artificial choices, several artificial choices, how to implement them, and the species that they will work on. So we got a lot to cover. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003. We've been offering fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, and fishing schools. And now the growing and popularity Fisherman's Post saltwater podcast series, and is in this podcast series, that we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast, um, to ask them to share with us their insights, their knowledge on how to catch more fish more often, albeit the true goal of not just catching more fish, but getting you and your family and your friends out on the water, spending more time together more often. I'm joined in this podcast venture with my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, good to be talking to you again, man. Gary, good to see you, man. It's uh, always a pleasure to be here on the Fisherman's Post podcast always chopping it up before the show and afterward with you. So super fun, man. Look forward to the conversation with Bill. Yeah, man, this is a conversation long in the works. I've um, been looking forward to talk to him about peer fishing, certainly have an affection for the peer culture, the peer dynamic, and want to learn more about it from Bill. Um, but before we do that, we got some, we got some stuff to cover, don't we? Yeah, man, we got some stuff to cover. And the first thing we want to do is give a shout out to our sponsors. I got a quick message from Marine Warehouse. We'll be right back. A Marine Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water, and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. Boom, and that they do, Gary. Marine Warehouse loves the water, and Terrell loves working at Marine Warehouse. But he really loves telling jokes, I bet. <laughs> and I hope he has um, one. He does. It's been, I've, it's been a while since I've heard one, so I hope he has one. He does, and unfortunately, it is not his best effort. Although, I'm a little bit harder on his efforts than you are, so maybe you'll like it. All right. um, I, know he, I know he does well with parts, service, and sales. But fish jokes, you tell me. Here we go. Why did the fish cross the road? I don't know. To get to the other tide. I know. It's like he's not even trying. It's like he made it up while he was talking to me on the phone. Uh, yeah. He just made okay. it up. Right? No, there's no way he looked that one up on Google. Not a chance. Oh, man. <laughs> Too much fun. Good job, Terrell. Uh, by the way, go by and see Marine Warehouse and make sure you hook Terrell up with some new jokes. And uh, in a, when you're done with Marine Warehouse, head up to Raleigh Apex Hitch here, R.A. Hitch. Hitch's trailers, bike racks, and so much more. Chris and his team do a fantastic job. And be sure to mention Gary and I and say, hey, those Fish Post dudes, 
told me that you would save me 20 bucks if I came up there and hung out with you and bought some product. So see if you can get free 20 bucks. They might or might not give it to you. I don't know. But tell them the Fisherman's Post guys <laughs> sent you, uh, and you'll get some kind of favor. I mean, maybe a lollipop or something. I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to use that deal. I'm going to buy a luggage carrier for the top of my wife's car. You so I, what, Gary, I am, I'm going to try to get 20 bucks off. I'm going to hold you to it, man. I, I think I was just editing a show the other day and I heard something about this luggage rack. Like, yeah, when, when's it's gonna real. Happen? It's going to happen for it's the, real? for, yeah, for, we've got three kids playing travel soccer, man. We are getting a luggage rack from RA hitch. I don't think a luggage rack is going to handle those boys stuff. All right. Not with <laughs> sports gear and all that. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to fishing, shall we? Or some other types of fishing stuff, I should say. Uh, which would be a fish photo. I got fish one photo. if you want to see it. All right, we got Mark Ostrowski with a 5.2-pound false albacore that was hooked on a gotcha plug while fishing off of Johnny Mercer's pier. That's a good-looking albacore. And I uh, love Johnny Mercer's. Great place to go fishing. Uh, I do miss it, fishing off that pier. Yeah, man. Again, I'm, the pier, the pier culture, all of it is tied together, and it's an experience. It's an adventure. And albacore is probably going to be, I can't imagine it's not one of the species that Bill talks with us about. And then we have another sponsor right before we move on. Is that correct? Yeah, right before we move on. And really quickly, if you want to sponsor the show, feel free to reach out. Reach out to me, Billy at Fisherman'sPost.com. And if you want to support Gary and I as creators, you can do that by going to BuyMeACoffee.com. But last but not least, we got a new sponsor manscaped so go to manscaped.com use promo code fish post save 20 percent off and get free shipping they have challenged us to see if we could sell several items for them uh and they're like you got a bunch of dudes you got a bunch of hairy dudes that need our manscaping products so uh, if you need to replace that product or razor or whatever you got going on they get a ton of different or buy one if you game. just need to start that game if you need to start that game and <laughs> not replace that game <laughs> yeah right there's probably some dudes that are like oh it's probably good shape <laughs> i mean the jokes are just too ripe i'm still going to stay away from them but i do billy i do have the manscape challenge for you all right i'm ready and the manscape challenge is this i'm going to list three products two are actual manscape products that you can purchase online one right. i made up i just made it up are you ready i'm ready so now I'm, they're I'm similar trying, i'm trying to call out the one that you made up right yeah, two okay. are real, one is made up. You tell me which right. one's made up. All right. We have the crop preserver, the crop duster, the crop reviver. <laughs> I hope this one is real, but I'm going to say crop duster is fake. <laughs> Man, you know your Manscaped. You are a good <laughs> spokesman for Manscaped. You already know their products. That is the one I made up. All right. See, I take care of my sponsors and other products. <laughs> they have a huge product list. I don't know them all. But anyway, oh, man, that's the crop duster. I, I wish that was true. Like, that'd be so much fun. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Billy, as I'm talking to Bill, and we're talking about Johnny Mercer's Pier, with which you are familiar and you have fished from, <clears throat> and that's saying something because you haven't fished from many places. That's right. I need you to be paying attention for Billy's best takeaway. You got it, Gary. Got my notebook ready. All right, I'm going to talk with I'm going to talk with Bill now. So, hello Bill Davis representing I guess unofficially Johnny Mercer's Pier. Welcome to the program, Bill. Pleasure to have you here talking. Well, thank you for having me, Gary. Yeah, man. Good to talk to you. We're going to talk about fall artificials from the pier. We're going to set the stage on when. We're going to talk about the different artificial choices that you like to implement. 
But as is tradition on the Fisherman's Post podcast, there are two questions before we begin the main event. Are you ready for your two questions, Mr. Davis? Sure, absolutely. Question number one, why should we listen to anything you have to say about throwing artificials from the pier in the fall season? Good, good question. Uh, I've been fishing for over 50 years, but seriously been fishing for more than 40 when I started working in a bait and tackle shop when I was about 14 years old. Shortly after that, I started working on the boats, uh, head boats, charter boats, learned a lot from those folks. Grew up at the Jersey Shore fishing on the, um, the Seaside Heights fishing pier, which is an uh, old wooden pier. Did that for years prior to getting my 100 gross ton captain's license, which now at a much later years in my fishing career, I've been bumped down to a, a 50 gross ton master's license, but still out on the ocean quite often. Um, more importantly, talking about fishing piers, the last 10 years, I've really got into the fishing pier scene. Something new, something fun. Definitely something different, a lot less expensive, and I learned a lot from there's a lot of guys on Johnny Mercer's, and I'm sure plenty of other peers that are masters at it. So um, last 10 years have been a great education to me. I'm a quick learner, good listener, and I hope to share some of that information with all of you. Man, that is a fantastic answer, and I am ready to proceed. But as is tradition, question number two is a non-fishing related question. And while I believe we're going to talk about plugging from the pier, your questions have to do with plugging a watermelon. Are you ready for questions about plugging a watermelon? <laughs> I'll try. All right. I got three true faults for you. So you got a 50% chance with any of them. True false. Okay. Watermelon. A watermelon is both a fruit and a vegetable. Uh, I am at a total disadvantage since I do not like watermelon. I'm going to say... It's only a fruit. Apparently, and I didn't know this before Googling, it is both a fruit and a vegetable. Yeah. Um, question number two, watermelons are over 94% water. Okay, that's a trick question, but I'm going to go with yes, water. Mostly water. Um, that would be false, 92%. Ah. Yeah, kind of. True, false. Heaviest watermelon to date weighed over 350 pounds. Oh, I got to go true. Why not? And you're right. You got this one right. You finished strong. But I'm, so it is true, over 350 pounds. But I'm sure our guests are ready for this to be done and to be talking about pier fishing in the fall, throwing artificials, lots to cover. And I think as we decided, like, let's set the stage for when we're talking about. So when you talk about the fall season from the pier, how do you define that fall season? We start to define it not necessarily by a month, but when the water, when the air starts getting cooler, the water starts to get a little cooler and the bait fish start to school up and move closer to the beach. That's when we see the, the predator fish starting to follow them. And that's when the actions starts to happen on the pier. And so is there typically a, any kind of water temperature that you see kicks that off? Is it a, uh, I mean, any kind of, Roughly, I know we don't go by months. I mean, you even told me something about how it was off last, last year. But any other indicators for when we can say, hey, man, now it's ripe for this information Bill Davis is going to share? Well you, well, you know it's going to happen, you know, starting in mid, late September. But, it, but it's different for different species, and different species prefer different water temperatures. Like we know that the king mackerel start to move a little further offshore as it drops into the mid to lower 60s. 
But yet, as I said to you earlier, it's been a little crazy. We had we had actually caught Spanish mackerel, which you leave before the kings. They were around till after Thanksgiving. So uh, typically, though, unless you get some big major storm, uh, the fall season starts some sometime around the end of mid to the end of September. And it can go strong right to about Thanksgiving. All right. So I believe we decided like we are going to approach this by going from artificial to artificial to artificial and then sort of talking about techniques and species likely to it to work on what is uh what's our first bait we're going to talk about well before it's okay before we talk about bait i want to just mention two things um whether you're using monofilament or you're using um excuse me monofilament um or any other type of line you're going to need to use a leader material and we really didn't speak a lot about that so um, typically, if you're going to tie, you know, you're going to be running a um, line to your spool at about 30 pound test. You're going to want to run a you're going to want to run a shock leader or some type of leader between 20 and 30 pound test for the for most of these species we're talking about. Unless we're getting to the real toothy critters like like the king mackerel. And then how long do you like that leader to be? How long of a piece of leader? I like to run about a two foot leader at the most. That, that's what some guys like a little shorter. Some guys like to use a little piece of uh, metal, you know, whether you use seven strand metal, uh, but most people will use just monofilament. And then what would be your general purpose rod of choice for throwing some of these artificials we're going to talk about? Well, six to seven foot for most of them and with a light action tip, but some of the larger species that we may be talking about here could be like tarpon, cobia or king mackerel. You're going to want to use about an eight to nine foot rod with a pretty stiff tip. All right. And uh, do you have a preference between braid or mono on your reels? On well, most of my rods, I use braid on reels uh, with a, again, with a piece of mono. Um, I, liked, I like to use Mamoy as for my leader material. It's a little harder, a little stiffer, and uh, it doesn't break as easy. Okay, I follow that, man. Then what is going to be our first artificial that you hold up and, and explain to me the application? Well, one of these, when one of the most, everybody knows it by is, is a gotcha plug. And hopefully you can see the gotcha plug here if I need to hold it a little higher. The one, the gotcha got plug that. that I'm showing you is probably the standard color that most guys use, which is the white gotcha. And this, the plug is used for a multitude of species, bluefish, Spanish mackerel, pompano. Uh, you show that that false albacore that Mark caught earlier, that slide, uh, that was caught on a gotcha plug. Maybe not necessarily the all white, but the all white should be in everybody's tackle box. And some so, of the species, other species that I didn't mention, um, well, I did mention, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, Gary, go ahead. No, man, I was just going to sort of question a little bit more about the white gotcha plug. So all white should be in everyone's bag. And I think most of us have maybe had the experience, whether it's the pier tackle shop or just any tackle shop, and seeing what seems to be infinite choices of gotcha plugs. Like, what what do you recommend, man? Like, how many different options? Certainly, we don't want everything. We can't afford everything. We don't want to carry everything. But if you were to advise someone who's sort of getting into it, they want to be efficient, and they're listening to you and they go, okay, Bill Davis, I'll have an all white in there, but give me two or three other of your top choices to have just in case. Yeah. Some of the other popular ones that I see often up on the pier 
is you're going to want to have a silver and a gold color, like a silver chrome or a gold looking brass color. They, that too is very popular. But as far as the white goes, a lot of the fishermen like to have a different color head on it, whether it's a green, red, yellow, or blue. Blue is very, very common as well. But I realize, um, I mean, I may have, I probably do have about 40 in my, my tackle box that I carry with me. Um, but mostly I always revert back to white with some flavor of different color head on it. Can't tell you why one day yellow works better than red, but if I'm seeing other anglers catch more than me, or I'm not getting as many strikes as they are, uh, I'm going to switch over. The other gotcha plug I was going to tell you about, and this is kind of a, kind of a little bit of mystery to me, is actually the, the pink gotcha. And um, for whatever reason, and I tried to read up on this and I come up with a partial answer, I think you should also have a pink gotcha plug in your box. Uh, Pompano seemed to really like pink. And the closest thing I found to this is it said that um, reading about Pompano is that uh, sand crabs, when they lay their eggs, they're like an orangish pink in color and Pompano liked the feed on that. And so maybe in mass, I mean, certainly that gotcha plug looks a lot bigger than what a, a sand crab egg would look like, but uh, that seems to be the only correlation that I could come up with. But definitely, you know, for the as far as the gotcha plug goes, you got to have an all white in your box. That's the most popular. All right. So I, too, am a believer in the power of the gotcha plug and the versatility of the gotcha plug. So I'm, I want to stay on gotcha plugs a little bit longer. And you already gave a list of species, but I want to sort of go back through and circle around and just, you know, there might be some redundancy here, but I want to sort of hear your thoughts on different ones. So if I'm sure. going out in the fall with the intention of catching Spanish mackerel, right? Still there? I'm still that, there then how far, you know, where on the pier do you suggest I go towards the end, towards the breakers? And then, you know, how would you advise me to do my cast and retrieve? Well, inter interesting thing, and that's a good question about the Spanish mackerel, especially in the fall, is you'll start to see them pushing bait. And when you start to see whether it's a glass minnow or a small mullet uh, starting to come to the surface and pop to the surface, you need to move with them. You may be starting out in the shallow, up almost in the suds, and before the end of the day, you can be out at the end of the tee on the pier following, following the Spanish where they're running. Um, there's, there's no real rhyme or reason where they're going to be on the pier, but it could be the full length of the 1,000-foot Johnny Mercer piers where you'll be fishing for them. You can be right in the suds. And when they are biting, are they usually biting on one side of the pier or the other? How does that typically play out? Well, normally with the fish now migrating from the north, heading south, so you're you're going to want to you're going to want to cut them off fishing on the north side. It is true that sometimes we'll see them coming in, and they don't always go straight through the pier. As they get closer to the pier, they start to move. They start to move east to go up and around it. Uh, I guess it just looks like a big old brick wall in front of them, and and it's not always the case. Sometimes they go right through, but um, but yeah, you're you're going to want to move with the fish. And if I'm seeing them push bait, then of course I'm going to target that action. If I'm not seeing them push bait, I'm still going to blind cast. I still have a good, a reasonable Absolutely. chance just working that gotcha plug to hook. So if I were out there and saying, hey, man, what's the best way to give this thing its action that you think works best on a Spanish? What are you telling me? Cast it out far, you know, flip the bale and, and letting it sink, you know, keeping it on the surface. Like, how would you coach me? Well, well, I that's that's a great question as well. And I'll tell you what, again, if I'm seeing somebody catching them and I'm not, I'm watching what they're doing. 
if nobody's catching them, you got to explore and experiment. Not only do you got to explore maybe what the color of the gotcha plug you're using, but you also got to explore the technique. And that's the nice thing also about the gotcha plug. Anyone coming up on a pier the first day can can use a gotcha plug and they can be effective with it. So you may want to try to just retrieve it straight in slow. Uh, there could be an upward jigging motion really fast, getting the plug to whip back and forth in the water. You could drop it down really deep. I seen it almost look folks looking like a bucktail. Watched the lady last year. Nobody was catching catching Spanish or blues. And a lady about halfway down the pier, and she was just doing like a, a rhythmic rhythm rhythm of just two jigs, letting it letting it slide back down into the water column. Two more jigs, letting it slide back down in the water column. She was landing. Uh, she was hooking up with Spanish and blues more so than anyone else. So I went over into roughly into her air, not in, in her area, not evading her space. And I started doing the same thing. And I started catching them. <laughs> Before long, it looked like an orchestra of everybody effectively doing the same thing. And then it just shut off. Then all of a sudden, huh. somebody else was catching them with the traditional way of, uh, of jigging a plug. So you just got to, you know, you got to go with the flow of what's working at that time. So that would be blues and Spanish. How would you advise me any differently whether it's where on the pier or the action, if I was had a pink gotcha plug and was thinking, man, I've I've been told this might catch me a pompano. Okay, if if I was if I was fishing pompano and they do run in schools and most of the time they're running a little closer to the surf line because that is where they feed on these crabs that we spoke of. Um, if if we weren't seeing schools of pompano or a number of them weren't getting caught, I do think that your success would happen closer in the surf. And again, I would be, you could catch them on a white, a gotcha plug, but I, if I'm using a gotcha plug, I probably would go with the pink. I've seen many more get caught with a pink gotcha plug or something they call the electric chicken. It's a uh, yellow and pink, but those, that, those two colors are the colors that I've seen have been most successful. And I would be in closer to the, to the beach, to the close, to the uh, surf. <clears throat> so beyond blues and Spanish and Pompano, what else am I likely to hook with um, doing a cast and retrieve of a gotcha plug? Fall on yeah, the pier. Uh, yes. Uh, as far as, you know, we talked about seeing fish pushing bait. A lot with the Atlantic Benito and a false albacore, real easy to spot. Um, they would be, you know, that would be a good opportunity to cast a gotcha plug to them. And you would, my preference is, is to actually not cast in front of them, but always cast a little past them if I could and bring, bring the gotcha plug through them. I've had, personally, I've had the most success hooking up with them at that point, that way. Uh, other species with the gotcha plug, and I hate to use the word lizard fish, but lizard fish seem to like gotcha plugs real well. Um, little slimy things with the, with the lizard looking teeth, mean, uh, real slow jig seems to, uh, you end up catching those. But we've, we've been catching trout, um, you can you know, definitely catch flounder with them if you move them slow enough. That's the beauty about the gotcha plug. It's really versatile, and you can catch a lot of a lot of different species with them. There's been a couple guys that have actually caught smaller king mackerel, anything under 15 pounds with gotcha plugs. Problem is they normally get bit off because you're normally using monofilament, you know, as your leader material. But we have had a couple. We've had a couple kings caught with uh, gotcha plugs. And. Um... So I have a couple of follow-up questions just from our conversation. Sure. I'm going back a little bit. So That's right. it is my belief that, you know, 
people want to do the right thing and people want to follow peer etiquette, they might just not know peer etiquette. So earlier you talked about the lady who had found a rhythm and you went, you know, next to her without invading her space. What is protocol there? If someone's actively casting, like how close can I get to them without being too close? That's a fair question. Uh, depends how well you know the person. I mean, if I'm there with my buddies, I mean, we could be shoulder to shoulder and and we know how to work together and whether we're casting or whether we're retrieving, uh, who needs to retrieve faster so we can try to keep the lines from being tangled. I, I would normally look at the angler that I'm going to be fishing near. If that person can't cast perfectly straight, they're a little offline, then that's the space I want to give them. If they're throwing more of an angle and they're off by 10 degrees, I don't want to be standing that close to them that we're just going to continue to tangle each other. That they can't, you know, work in rhythm with me and the other folks on the other side of them. Then I just want to give them more and more space. And, and most people recognize that. I mean, even whether you're a regular or you're a newcomer, um, people recognize, you know, different people's ability, and that and that's how I decide and judge how close I want to be to them. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. And if I am in a situation where I'm shoulder to shoulder, you know, if it's a hot bite, if there's running, and that's just the nature of it is. What tips do you have when you're working in close proximity to keep from tangling and messing up and keeping everyone actively fishing? Again, assuming we're all anglers and we've done this before and we can work yeah. in those conditions, um, we normally will cast in sequence. We try not both everyone to cast at exactly the same time, creating tangles, because I don't know the point of where their, their lure is going to hit the water. So I'll wait till their lure hits the water first and they start to retrieve. If in that case, then I will try to overcast them, cast past them, or I'll cast to the side of them and I'll let them start to work their plug in. And then that's how we do it. So so we're staggering our lines coming in and try to avoid. I mean, there are times when a guy will hook up with a bluefish because typically if one bluefish gets hooked up. You'll see three or four more chase the one that's hooked, trying to steal what it considers is the bait from it. And I will cast right pretty much when I say on top of them. But. I feel like I'm a pretty decent caster. I'll cast like right into that pack of wolves that's trying to get that, that bait from that other bluefish and normally pick one off of what's chasing his lure. So again, it kind of goes back to, you know, the, who you're, the ability of who you're fishing with. And we do fish in like, in, like I say, staggering in a sequence. So, and if, if I'm getting in a uh, situation where I'm fishing like that with a group of people who do know what they're doing, and you got one or two that just can't, uh, cast just as straight or not following that protocol, we normally know how to work around that person. So therefore we're not getting tangled up with them and we're not making, you know, them be, have been feel miserable. Um, so we work with their, we'll call it a handicap. <laughs> Got it. And then I think this is my last question on the gotcha plug before we move forward. When you're tying that block, when you're tying that gotcha plug onto your, uh, your leader, are you tying a loop knot? Or are you tying something with more integrity, something that might cinch down and hold it tight? You know, that's a preference. Uh, some guys like to tie what they call Rapallo knot, which is a loop knot with uh, an improved clinch knot, so, so it lets the lure have more action. And then other folks just like to tie uh, an uni knot. So, our, and of course the third is, would, and the, one of the easiest to tie would be the improved clinch knot. Um, I play it by ear, depending on really the kind of rod I'm using. If I'm not, if I don't have a real loose rod tip, 
because my son got the, the we'll call it the better of the two rods, I may put the Rapallo knot on it so that I got a loop in my line and I get a lot more action. It really, it really does depend. I don't have any one particular preference, and I think a lot of people feel that way. They may tie it just because of what's easy, but you got to tie it for the situation and conditions you're in. But there right, are three I think most this is common knots. Okay. And then I think this is my last question. If I said that was my last question, I lied. I think this is my That's last good. question. You have been on the pier, I'm asking, you have been on the pier where Bluefish Spanish or whatever it was wanted one color gotcha plug and only one color gotcha plug and nothing else would work. Is it really, can it really be that cut and dry on certain days? Uh, that's a stretch, but I do think <laughs> okay. if I, I do, I do, I do think that, uh, cause you could tempt them to do a reaction bite if they're, you know, just to, you're upset with what you're presenting in front of them. But, uh, yeah, there, there's been days that you just got to shake your head and wonder why are they only hitting white with a green head? There's no good reason for it, but there's something about the water color, the air conditions. I, I don't know what it is. There is those, those days. And that's normally the day that I don't have that plug. All right. All right. Well, I think we've done due diligence with gotcha plugs. I'm eager to see what's next on your list of artificials to feature. Well, so I like to share, you know, kind of a couple more that are pretty easy to use that are very common on a pier as well. This this uh, is a Sting Silver. Again, very common. The, the beautiful thing about the Sting Silver, this particular one happens to be two ounce. Um, you can cast these far. And so when you're dealing with whether, again, it's blue, Spanish, they're far away from the pier, they're not moving real close, fall, fall salvacore, Atlantic Benito, um, that's typically the four species of fish I'm talking about. You can see them out there blitzing, but you just can't reach them. You know, the got, uh, gotcha plug comes in three different sizes, half ounce, three quarter ounce, one ounce. The Sting Silver comes in one ounce, two ounce, and a three ounce. And um, if I can cast my gotcha plug with the same rod, the same pound test, same leader, I, let's just say I can cast, um, uh, I'm just making this up, but 100 feet. I could probably take that Sting Silver and cast and cast it 200 feet, twice as far. Uh, so the Sting Silver uh, is again a very common, very popular. You could buy it almost anywhere. Uh, there's some epoxy, similar, in a little different color, very much like the Sting Silver. Uh, they're they're very common, and you should have a box absolutely for the four species that I mentioned. And they too will also um, work real well with a king mackerel if one. Uh, one hits it so all right so we're gonna it looks like we're gonna have another color uh conversation if you have one sting silver and only one sting silver that is blank and then the follow-up is and then if you were to have two or three other color options at your disposal those color options would be blank but well if you're if you're going to have anything other than silver silver itself i definitely say pink green and blue I, they, they do make a yellow and they make an orange, but by far, and this has, this is really dictated by watercolor. If the water is a little more cloudier, you're going to want to use the blue or the green. If the water's somewhat clear, you're going to want to use the silver or the pink. And that's, that's a matter of fact. Uh, I see those colors, they'll outproduce based on the watercolor itself. And the action the water. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's all right, man. So the action on the sting silver is reel it in as fast as I can, or is that another lore where uh, 
you might need to try some different rhythms. Well, it's you're certainly not going to you're not going to jig it up and down. That's for certain. Let it bounce off the bottom. But it could be a little slower retrieve or it could be a super fast retrieve. Depends how fast you see the fish are swimming. I sometimes can't keep up with, especially the false albacore and Atlantic Bonito. They're just flying through the water. You're going to have to crank it you're, just to keep up with them. You're going to have to really you know, put some muscle into getting that lure moving fast. If you're not really seeing them, but you know they're out there, they've been circling, but they're not pushing bait right now, you can slow down your retrieve a little bit and uh, get them to take a look at it in case they're passing through. But, uh, but there's certainly no jigging up and down necessarily. I'm sure people have caught fish doing that but that traditionally hasn't produced. So it's really, in this case, it's either going to be a real fast retrieve, a medium retrieve, or just a slower retrieve to get deeper into the water column. All right. Any more thoughts on the Sting Silver before I ask you what's next on the display? Um, nope. That's really so. I uh, wanted to show you a couple, couple Pompano jigs. And uh, cool. these, these two, I don't know if you can see these, but these are these are Pompano jigs, and they're store bought. Um, gentleman by the name of Pompano Richard, he's he came up with these designs of these jigs. Uh, he's somewhere in Florida, and they they work real well. Uh, we're just starting to see these jigs in North Carolina. Uh, I I actually had to call an order from the only other place that had them was in the Outer Banks, and unfortunately they were out of stock. Uh, this I just started seeing them the last couple of years. It took me about a year to find them where they're at. And they're just, they're very similar in a way of any other jig head. They're shaped a little differently, kind of half crescent shaped. And they have a, um, they have a teaser on them and they just seem to work real well. So this fellow Richard seems to have found uh, the magic for him. I know he really enjoys pompano fishing down in Florida. He's been very successful at it and looking at, you know, readings about him and some of the articles. And I, I hope that more tackle shops will consider um, having these on their shelves because they, they do produce, they work real well. I'm not sure they, I can't say they work better than, than the, um, than the gotcha plug because we just don't see them up here that much. But I know for me, they worked very well last year. And it's just a, a single rig. It's not like a two hook rig. It, it is a two hook rig. It's um, I could try to take one out of the pack, but it tends to get tangled up. So it's a jig head. It's like a crescent shaped jig head and below okay. it is a little teaser. So when you're jigging this through the water, and this one happens to be green, when you're, as you're jigging this through the water, the, the teaser is going in a counter action motion that the jig head is. And you do jig this one pretty slow. It's not a really fast retrieve. You don't put any bait on it, um, but I'm, I'm really liking it. This will only be my second year using it. I, I found it last year, sort of the end of the season, and I was scoring really well with it. I actually doing better on this than other people who are using the gotcha plug. So this is really, again, my only second year, and I wish I would have found it earlier because I think I missed a lot of opportunity with some, you know, decent, decent pompano. But that is a, so, that's a jig head. I haven't caught any other fish on it. I don't, I can't tell you why, um, but it could have just been in a water column. I was fishing with the, about the half a dozen times that I've used it. But it is called the pompano catcher. And you can look that up online. Like I said, there's one Outer Banks, um, one Outer Bank tackle shop that was selling them, and that's that they were out of stock. And with that uh, jig head construction, does that mean I'm bouncing it off the bottom? Does that mean I'm doing a more kind of like 
jig head bounce back to the dot back to the pier no you're exactly right in a way it's in a way it's designed you are bouncing it off the bottom it sits it'll be sitting on the bottom like this so the hook won't be down where it can dig in the hook is facing up and as you're jigging it this this teaser will be above it and it's just kind of flirting with it so uh the fish that i caught last year i would say a majority of them were caught on the teaser uh, and, and I know one trip I went out, I think I, I had 22 pompano, didn't keep them all because some of them were small, but I would say out of the 22, 15, roughly about 15 were caught on that teaser and nice, nice little, nice little jig. And I've I only like had luck. Thing. I can tell you, I've really only had luck with the pink, uh, caught the majority of fish, but I got the green because of the, when it's, especially when you're in close to the surf, the water's a little more turbulent, a little darker. Uh, but I, I didn't do that well with the green. So the pink was definitely my favorite. Man, I like that. I like this Pompano catcher. Any Anything else? I mean, I didn't check with you before the show started, so I don't I don't want to keep asking, but I want to keep asking. What else might you have yeah. to share with us? Uh, well, as far as I did want to talk a little bit about trout, and this is also good for flounder, just a regular jig head. And and uh, this this particular color is... Um, forget, something chicken. I'm sorry, I lost lost my train of thought. Uh, but it's it's something chicken is the color, and this is probably one of my favorite trout jig heads that I use off the pier. Uh, you can so obviously you can use this off the surf too. And as far as jig head go, they do come in different colors. Uh, I have not found anyone that really personally. I haven't found anyone that works better. Whether I'm using white, red, or yellow, but. Um, but by far, I, I've been doing real well with this. I'm sorry, Gary, I can't remember the name of it, but it's something, again, it's something chicken. And uh, this particular G head is, or this particular artificial has been my favorite plastic. There's, there's plenty of other colors out there that work. I hear, you know, I hear talk about a uh, new penny color and there's like a white speckle color. There's, there's so many different colors out there. Uh, just again, this could be a preference. It could be what works off Johnny Mercer, but may not work off one of the other peers. But uh, this is definitely a this is definitely a, a trout catcher if you're using artificials. And a few um, a few other trout catchers, and these are also good for red drum off the pier, which we haven't talked about until now. Is mirror lures, and so um, there's all types of different color mirror lures. And again, the only thing I would say is if the darker the watercolor especially maybe in toward the evening, you want to use darker mirror lure and lighter water. When it's lighter water, you can use the traditional red and white uh, and just all different types, different color mirror lures. And as, as well as where mirror lures go, there's some that are deep divers. There's some that are surface floaters, some that are mid, mid range. Calm. You just have to know where you want to fish them and where to use them. If I'm off the end of here, I'm using, usually using more of a weighted one and want to get it down a little bit where the trout are at. If I'm in more shallow and I don't want to cook the bottom, I'm using one that's not so much a deep diver, but mid-water column uh, mirror lure. All right. I got a follow-up awesome. question. I got a sure. follow-up question on the soft plastic. Do you remember the company that makes it? If you can't remember the color, do you know what company soft plastic you like for that paddle tail? Um, which, give me a second. I'm going to cheat. Okay. Saltwater Assassin. Okay. And... Chicken chain. So I had to cheat. Sorry. It's this this That's color right. is a chicken on a chain. 
and it's saltwater assassin. And the saltwater assassin also makes other comment. There, there's also, you know, there's all other kinds of, of plastics you can use. And, you know, I go through, I go through a lot of them. So I'm not and saying then, this is the only one. It's just the one that I feel like. Man, this has been good. I'm glad that we got Red Drum into this conversation too. I know people are interested in Red Drum, excited about Red Drum. Anything else? Well, with the, with the Red Drum, which I was going to get to next anyway, my preference is really gulp. If I'm going to use artificials off the off the pier, um, different depends again on the size of the the lead head. Use a three inch gulp paddle tail, twisty tail. Uh, there's there's shad, there's mullet, there's crab, there's all different scents. There's shrimp, um, but I do like I do like using gulp for drum off the pier when I'm doing artificials. Normally working them slow. And not only are they good for red drum, they're good for black drum as well, especially especially the shrimp and the crab scent. You use scent much when you're trout fishing on those saltwater assassins? You believe in scent? I, I do believe in scent, but I don't on this. Um, not when I'm using the saltwater assassin. I don't. I'm not using scent. It's mostly the gulp that I'm that I'm using, and I'm using a different scent there. Well, Bill. Um... I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I will talk to you as as all, long as you want to hold up stuff. I'm going. I'm guessing we're getting towards the end, but that's only a guess. Well, you know, if you've got I, more I, to I share, do. then let's share. Yeah, I do have a few more I want to share. Um, right on. I want to share a couple of these plugs here that we that we do use, and we're main, we're mostly using these for cobia. Um, these happen to be homemade by some of the guys that are. I hope you see these guys that are fishing up on the pier. And besides being decorative and pretty with a cobia, as you, as you probably well know, it's like uh, a cat on with a, having to put a string in front of it. If you could tease them with one of these lures, they're one of these bucktails. They are going to attack. And uh, so, you know, talk going you team being artificial. I just wanted to share with you that if we see a cobia on the surface. Uh, if you're a good caster and you can reach that fish and you can work the bucktail in front of it, there's a good chance that you're going to get it to strike. Can't always say it's a good chance you're going to get it to land because that they're certainly like a tiger by the tail, but that is, that is certainly the bucktail choice. Uh, I, I, well, I don't want to say up and down the East coast cause there are others. There are different paddle tails. I know this is one of my son's favorite for cobia, uh, but it normally swims like, like such. But there's a there's a number of good bucktails that are out there for for cobia. And are you seeing cobia in the fall? My limited knowledge, I think of them as a spring fishery. But are you seeing them in the fall? Bothly spring, both spring and fall. In the spring, they're they're coming, they're migrating north to spawn, and in the fall, they're heading back and or heading off out offshore. So we we see them both. Um, we not we did not have a good spring season on Johnny Mercer Pier. I think they had a pretty decent season up in the Outer Banks. Not hearing too much about the Southern Piers this year doing well with Cobia yet. So I'm hoping that it is going to be a fall fishery, but I, but let's see. All right. And then now where are we on the artificial list? Any other, <laughs> any other tricks? Yeah. I, last one, I want, last ones I want to show you. Uh, All right. And here we're talking about the throwing lures for big Spanish and or King king mackerel and there's a, there's a number of different lures out there that people like to use there's yazoris there's man there's rattle traps x traps x traps so um 
this this is Apollo X wrap right here. This is kind of one of my favorite. It's the Bonita color, and we've caught a number of, of king mackerel in the last several years using the, using the X wrap. I mean, all season long you could try them, but certainly in the fall you're getting the fish schooling up. Um, I've seen a number of fish caught on Johnny Mercer's using using different different spin baits like this. So now those you'll want to you'll run a want to want to run a wire leader in front of. Okay. Um, here's going to be my wrap up question then. Sure. So as far as the pier fishing goes for someone heading out there in the fall to throw some artificials, you know, we've covered baits, even talked about rods and, you know, line and leader. What are some of the ancillary items, some of the other items that are just invaluable to the pier angler that the guy who's getting into pier fishing might not think ahead of to go, that's going to be handy to have out there, or that's going to be a problem not to have out there. That, that's, that's an excellent question. I'm glad you asked it because the one thing that we often see, and it's never a problem because you have plenty of people out there that want to help, but uh, a good drop net is probably first and foremost. Uh, we had a situation actually on Johnny Mercer Pier today where a guy uh, was fighting a tarpon and they didn't have a drop net they ended up having to take the fish all the way to the beach. So that, that was good. The fish was caught, was released uh, healthy and let go. But with a drop net, I think we would have definitely 100% assured that that fish would have been put back in the water much quicker instead of working it all the way to the, to the beach, to the sand. And that's typically what we see, whether we're talking about a flounder caught with artificial or you know, a four or five pound Spanish mackerel, you're not gonna wanna lift that fish, most likely with the soft mouth, it's gonna rip out but a lot of people show up and they don't have a good drop net. So that's first and foremost. Um, I guess the second, you know, would be if you wanted to have a gaff, a rope gaff. It's a little more involved with that though. Um, you need to know how to use the gaff. It's more of a commitment. You, you're not gonna wanna gaff every fish that you're, that you're bringing in. If it's only like a two pound, three pound Spanish, you probably wanna go ahead and put a net under it. So, so first and foremost, I would say a drop net. Um, you're going to, you're going to want to have the tools of the trade. You know, you're going to want to have pliers and knife cutters. So that's, that's for sure. And with anything with these, with the, all these toothy species, you're going to need redundancy. You're going to have to have a spool extra line for tying leaders on. You're not going to want to show up with only one lure. You're going to have to need multiple lures. Um, so that's, that's the main thing. Bill Davis, that concludes my questions, man. I think this was a great podcast talking about fall artificials from the pier. You know, your backyard being Johnny Mercer's Pier there in Wrightsville Beach. And uh, I'm excited. I mean, it, this podcast has worked on me. I am now ready to go out and start with Gotcha Plug and then move on down the list. Well, come out and visit us. Um, yeah, man. And like I said in the setup, man, I am also just a big fan of the peer culture. So as long as you can promise me there'll be some colorful characters out there, then you'll be seeing me out there in the fall. Yeah, they're, they're everything from soup to nuts. You can't go wrong. <laughs> Deal. I'm in then. I will see you this fall. Bill, thank you again. Thank you. Glad to be here. All Billy. Right. Gary, what a show, man. I love it. Was that guy talking your language, peer language? Did I, yeah. I mean, yes. Yes. It was fun. Peers, foot foot fishing, whatever you call it. <laughs> Whatever's not on a boat. <laughs> that's what I like. So, man, he was a wealth of knowledge. I mean, when you have 40 years of, like, dedicated to fishing, like, you know your stuff and know what you're doing. So Let's yeah. hope he's good after 40 years, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you 
right. Let's yeah. hope. Let's hope. Um, <clears throat> so or he should take up golfing. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse, fishing or golfing <laughs> for me, because I'm terrible at both of them. But whatever. That's why I host. That's why I co-host a saltwater fishing podcast. So I have all this library of knowledge, so I can refer back to it. And uh, Gary, my takeaway here is the Pompano Catcher. I've already got it on my phone. I'm already on the website putting stuff into a cart. Um, I always like uh, to see a new rig, new jig. And, yeah, man, that thing looks pretty interesting. So um, not going to promise I'm going to use it, but I am going to buy one. Yeah, and I, I see that thing working, as he, as Bill said, working well from the surf as well. Man, I see, you know, we have some popular surf fishing tournaments in the fall. You know, I hope those guys are watching this and going, man, yep. you know, I can win some money on a Pompano and won a Fisherman's Post Fall Surf Fishing Tournament. Maybe I need a Pompano catcher. Right. I would certainly, if I were fishing my own tournaments, I would be on the phone ordering a Pompano catcher right now. Yeah, man. And in, in speaking of that tournament, I was going to mention that big fall tournament that you guys do because it, when I was working at Fisherman's Post, I was in the, in the sales role there. Man, I just remember being at those tournaments, and that was one of the funnest tournaments that, that was there. That you know, and I did a lot of them with you, and, and I always remember those people coming in, and they were just like every single person was just like fired up, ready to go, ready to catch some fish, and uh, and they were a different breed of people who like honestly like just love to have fun and go out there on the yes. pier and and do that it's, and orchestrate it, and it's crazy when you go out there on a pier. And you see all these different people, different personalities, but they're working like this one unit to like make sure everyone's having a good time. Uh, and then you get some knucklehead up there like me. I'm like, oh, can I slide in? <laughs> Let me hook up on your stuff. But if you get yeah. the crew, they really know what they're doing, man. So it's uh, it's really cool to to see that, you know, whatever. Anyway, you get me fired up about pier fishing now. And I don't, I don't even think I have a pier around here where I can go. <laughs> so, uh, um. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's a great, I mean, that's why I keep talking, man. I love the community aspect of both pier and surf fishing. I mean, you're lighting on it, man. It's awesome. And it, it is one of the things. Catching a Spanish mackerel? Sure, man. I love, I, you know, I love catching Spanish mackerel. Catching a Spanish mackerel with the cast of characters out there just piping off, or, you know, or whatever, making small talk. Um, yep. You know, I am in. I am vested. Even better. It's what man. I enjoy. It's what I enjoy about Fisherman's Post fishing in general, as you know. Yeah, man. But let's wrap this up. We're we're getting too warm and fuzzy. I know, right? Like, what are, what are we talking? About? Let's get back to fishing. We're dudes here. Let's, <laughs> let's smash our fist against the table. I uh, just want to give Marine Warehouse another shout out. Ra Hitch another shout out. Manscaped another shout out. Really appreciate these sponsors making the show possible. Uh, and once again, if you are a business owner and you like what we do here, at Fisherman's Post on the podcast, and you want to become a sponsor. Feel free to reach out to me, Billy at Fisherman'sPost.com, and we can start a conversation and see if you're a good fit for us and vice versa, all that fun stuff. Uh, but until then, go wet a line, have fun, and uh, just remember to smile when you're fishing because you could be working. See you guys. <laughs> Thank you.